Hey, this is Mark Kendall from Great White, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Ross Valerie of Journey, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Ingrid J. Malmsteen, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Michael Lardy from Great White, and you're rocking with my friend John Caddick on Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Jeff Scott Soto, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up, baby. Oh! Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John. The Iron City Rocks podcast coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we welcome everyone from Pittsburgh, but we also welcome people worldwide. Uh, we've got two great guests who I think will appeal to just about everybody. First joining us, legendary vocalist Jeff Scott Soto, who's got a new album out called Damage Control. Jeff has sang for uh, bands uh, ranging from Ming Van Malmsteen, you might have heard of, Journey, uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra did quite a bit of work on the Night Castle album. So Jeff's got this new album out on March 27th from Frontier Records called Damage Control, the first single. We're going to play for you right now called Look Inside Your Heart. Then we're going to get talking with Jeff. <laughs> Hey 
doing great, man. Yourself? Yeah, I'm doing really well. The sun is shining for a change in uh, the northeast part of the country, so it's, it's a great day. Where are you at now? Uh, we're just outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, great. Love Pittsburgh. Steelers are my team. Oh, that's good to hear. You've <laughs> now warmed, warmed up to many thousands of fans out there. Um, yeah, you're, exactly. getting to, you're getting set to release an album, uh, I believe, on the 27th of March in the United States through Frontiers called Damage Control. Can you give us a little background on the background on the project well um this is my fifth solo album and it's um it's kind of my return to my roots so to speak i, I wanted to make an album that mixed a bit, a bit of my first two solo albums with frontiers records as well as um a few items like uh, a talisman soul circus kind of vibe some of the other things that i've done throughout my, my career i wanted to have a nice happy blend of those things on this album and i just wanted to rock a little more than i the last couple albums that i've done as a solo artist yeah i've noticed it. it's got a, a pretty you know melodic hard rock feel to it are you Doing any instru- instruments on the album, or do you have some like session music? Yeah, I'm, I'm here and there on it. I, I've got a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends, and I made a, a wish list of people that I want to actually get on this. As a musician, even as a as a growing musician, or, or as when I was starting up, I always wished I had kind of mentors or people that would take me under their wing to um, to help me get my name out there a little more. And it, it's such a difficult thing. To, it's the music business in general is such a difficult thing to get into, and it, it's a doggy dog thing. So, it, in my sense, I want to kind of pay it forward. I've had this kind of charmed life of being able to do what I do, and I could easily go to all the professionals. I can go to all the guys, the go-to guys in the business in the industry, or even just use my solo band to record an album. But instead, I, I like to work with people who are so talented and nobody knows of and kind of get their names out there and hopefully the, their association with me is going to help them establish themselves and get to the to the next level and i got a lot of that on this album that's why i have over 25 people on the album playing on the album but to answer your question yeah there's a few there's a lot of keyboard stuff i'm doing on it a couple songs i'm playing bass on and but for the most part i wanted to leave all the playing stuff to the professionals and and let them let them actually get it done right while I just do what I do best, and that's singing, producing it. Yeah, now you did actually produce the album by yourself, or did you work with a co-producer? Did it all on my own. Um, I, I, I'm not going to take full credit, I mean, because some of the songs that I co-wrote with uh, with some of the people on this album, or with all the people on this album, they came to me with the musical ideas to, to start with, and then there's a few of them that I kind of had to... Uh, take pieces out or add pieces to that type of thing but for the most part when they came to me with the actual songs those songs are the kind of complete foundations for me to actually then take and and finish them with my lyrics or my melodies so what but when it comes to extra production and choosing which songs choosing the the arrangements and all that stuff yeah i would i would definitely take 100 percent of that uh that credit good or bad <laughs> you're, the, you're the fall guy um, now, did you, did you do a lot of this using, like, the Internet to record the album, or did you guys kind of assemble in one place, or do you have your own studio, or how did you? Oh, a thousand percent on all of the above. Um, with, this album was recorded on three continents. It was recorded in South America, North America, and in Europe. So in order to be, be able to achieve that, it was certainly uh, a, a file-swapping thing and, and sending things to the Internet, and um, I, I have... Two guys in my band that are down in Brazil, two of them are in Madrid. Um, 
another collaborator in Sweden. I mean, it was mixed in Boston. It's, it's, it was so all over the map. The only way we could get it done the way I had it mapped out and the way I had it in mind is, is to be able to, to interact with the, uh, the Internet and being able to swap files and doing it this way. There were a few things I was able to be present for in the recordings of, but that just would have been too many, uh, too many miles on, on planes and hours spent and uh, a lot of money and, and you know on a budget that uh, wasn't necessary to do so. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly we get expensive now. Do you find, I mean, you've been re- recording for, for decades now and, you know, obviously back with Ingvay. God, you make me forward. so old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, old. I've been buying the album as long as you've been playing on. So yeah, I, there I'm you go. Um, do, you, um, do you find it easier to do an album now or is it more, you know, is it a lot more like, um, you know, almost project management, keeping track of, who's doing what and who owes me this track back as opposed to just all slamming in a studio somewhere for Vancouver or something and knocking the whole thing out. Yeah, it, it's certainly easier now, now because um, it, especially when you're doing it this way, the, everything is time-stamped. Everything is it's based on, well, obviously you get a track from somebody, you know it's coming from their email address, so you can link it to them a lot easier than if you go into a studio and you have 25 different individuals. If you don't have some guy writing it down or you're not sitting there writing it down on, on each of those uh, those old boxes that hold those two-inch tapes, you've got a, yeah. a long list of, of people you have to remember later where everything is all digital now. So yeah. I find it much easier to, to kind of micromanage all of that end of things as well as uh, take care of the recording end. Yeah, I'm you know, gone of the days of the razor blades and, and tape and stuff like that. <laughs> well, you're, you must be close to my age, then, if you're talking yeah. about that. <laughs> Let's leave that a mystery for both of us. Um, oh, man. I, I, I wanted to ask you, you had um, sung some really standout tracks on both the uh, last studio album from the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, the Night Castles album. Oh, um, they're, they're doing um, some touring. Are you going to be involved in the touring, at least in the spring or maybe in the fall? They're out right you know, now currently doing the spring tour. I, I had to bow out of this one because uh, I've, I've given a lot of my time with TSO for the past, uh, f- I guess, four years. And through that time, I I kind of put my own career, my own priorities to the, to the wayside. And it was time to kind of get back to to my get back to basics. I, I had to get back to my my own fan base and, and doing what I enjoy doing. And so I had to turn them down on this this current tour. They, they I think they started about a week and a half ago or something like that. Okay. And so they're out there doing it without me this time. I should be able to resume my duties with them on the winter tour. But again, it's to be seen because uh, until I actually book and get my own tour started for damage control, it's um, I have to wait and see. It's a wait and see right now. I also yeah. have another tour I'm going to be doing in the U.S. that I, I can't reveal the details and information about it until. It's officially announced, which is going to—I think it's going to happen in the next week or so. I'm going to be part of this uh, this really cool tour that's going to be touring the U.S. this summer, and we start rehearsals uh, late April for this. So I'm I'm actually in the in the process of finishing up a, a new wet album while I'm getting ready to start rehearsing for this other tour. It's it's just a busy year. I'm just slammed to the wall with things, and and I'm loving it. Well, yeah, that's exactly. I imagine you know a guy like you who hasn't sat still for for a few minutes over the course of his career has got to love this. You know, it's great. You know, you, you, again, when you think of where you started, to consider the now 2012 and you're as busy as ever. That's that's a wonderful thing and a, and a testament to your vocal abilities. 
And you know, and that 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 taps into exactly you know it, it, people say what what motivates you, what, what where's your motivation to keep doing what you're doing, and that's the answer right there. It's just the fact that you know, when I started with Ingvay Mousing in 1984, you know, the the nice ripe age of 18 years old. I was green. I knew nothing about the business. I knew, I, you know, you, you have to go through all the leaps and bounds that are the music business. You have to learn about things like publishing and, and learn how to split songs. And, and you have to go on the road and, and go through crap conditions and stay at sh- shoddy hotels and, um, and deal with band fights and all those different things that happen in the early part of your years that are really your education, you know, the, the school of hard knocks. And now I'm actually at the second half of my career in my life where I can enjoy all the benefits of having that knowledge and that experience and even having the respect and, uh, from my peers and from the fans and the audiences around the world. It's, it's really, truly a time of, of getting to, instead of having to put so much effort into, and thought process behind things, that I actually have everything that I, I need. I have all the wisdom in front of me that I can now and truly enjoy it. Yeah, it, it, you mentioned about publishing. It, it, I've often wondered if the very first guitar lesson, piano, drum lesson, should be don't touch the inner instrument. Let's talk about how to manage your publishing. <laughs> and and you have no idea how many times I wish I had a mentor. I wish I had somebody that could that could help me, uh, or even to guide me through some of the mistakes and, and some of the ridiculousness that I've had to deal with in this business. It, yeah. it really has been. Um, it's been a work in progress and knowing what I'm doing and, and I'm still learning. I'm by no stretch a lawyer or an attorney that knows how to read contracts, the the, the ins and outs of all the legalities in, in a contract, but I know so much more than I knew then that I, for, for starters, I prevent myself from being screwed any further. But uh, yeah. on top of that, I can actually, I can actually deal with the business end as well as the, the uh, creative side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, was, was you know when you started with with Rising Force, was was anybody in the band over twenty years old at the time? Yes, uh, the drummer Anders, I think, was twenty three, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I think everybody was over twenty. I think I was the only one under okay. twenty one or under twenty. Sorry, um, at the time, I think uh, Jens was twenty. I think Ingve and Marcel were twenty one. And okay. Anders was the oldest at 23, and it's so strange when I think about that. I mean, my own my son right now is 23 years old, going on 24, and I can't imagine knowing him and seeing him where he's at in his life. That that was me touring the world and doing what I what I'm still doing today. It's it's really just mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. I imagine as a parent, you're probably happy he's not out doing some of that stuff. Well, you know what? I got lucky. I I, I got I I did and I didn't because. If I want to truly say I got lucky, then I would have struck gold with, uh, you know, big selling albums and massive tours, which I didn't have the the luxury of back then. I'm getting to kind of live that life now, but uh, yeah. unfortunately, I didn't get to live that life then, and it was, uh, you know, it was such a long learning process that I, you know, it's 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 great that I can actually reel in it now. Yeah, I mean, would you consider? The volume of your resume, though, I mean, it speaks to you. You weren't a flash in the pan. There are many singers who, in that era of you know 1983 to 1987, who came out and could you know sing like crazy, that were gone by 1989. And you endured. You you had Axel Rudy Powell. You had Soul Circus. You had Journey for the stage. The TSO. I mean that. 
you know, that resume, even though maybe there wasn't a, a triple platinum album or something right. gigantic, it's still, you know, that longevity and a sustained career in the long run is probably much more impressive than being the flash in the pan. Yeah, well, I totally agree. I mean, this this business ain't for the weak at heart. You know, there's, there's a lot of people, as you said, that were there and they just they just kind of fell by the wayside. They, they didn't really follow through with it, and and I can't blame them. I can't blame a whole uh, the horde of them because it's it's such a it's such a letdown type of business. You really have to have such a thick skin to, to want to continue, much less to be able to continue. And my God, I've, I've had more downs than I've had ups, but. In the in the end, you know, music is in my blood. It, it's it's what it's it, it. Music is my blood. Without music, I I basically just die and wither. So I have no choice. I have to I have to go with the uh, with all the kicks and all the the slamming of the doors and and just persist and keep going until I until I finally get a chance to do what I always wanted to do. Yeah. Well, I, I really want to appreciate you uh, taking the time to jump on the show with us again. The new album is Damage Control. Which be available in the United States, uh, at least the United States, on March 27th through Frontiers, which means it'll be everywhere. Um, Jeff, and I implore you, I, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off, I implore you no. to please spend the extra two or three bucks or whatever it is for the deluxe edition. I'm, I'm going on a limb here. <laughs> we, uh, we, When I turned in all 14 songs to the label, I said, guys, I'm married to all of these songs. I absolutely have to get them released I don't know if you want to do digital singles or freebies or whatever you want to do, but all 14 songs on this album have to be heard in some capacity. And because I have such a long-standing relationship with uh, Frontiers Records, they gave me the, the luxury of releasing a standard edition, which is the 11-song edition that uh, that they're sending out to the media, and the deluxe edition, which has all 14 songs. And that, to me, is the complete package, the, the complete vision of what I had in mind for Damage Control. So if anybody wants to get this album, you will not be disappointed. You're going to have a bonus DVD of some videos I shot for it, uh, a video EPK that I did for it, and then these three extra bonus tracks are just going to slay you. Awesome. Well, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you taking the time to listen, bro. I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but never had the time. Then I heard about Progressions Music Studio. Progressions introduced me to an entirely new and convenient method of music instruction. They brought the music to me. The instructors from Progressions Music Studio came to my home with their knowledge and expertise, which saved me time and money. They worked around my schedule and tailored the program around my needs and skill level. Best of all, I learned to play music like a guitar king of the 1960s. We didn't spend all of our time with drills or tunes from the 1860s. Progressions Music Studio offers a lot more than guitar. In fact, they have instructors for almost all instruments. Now I can rock it out on my electric like never before. Just imagine what they can do for you or the budding musician in your family. Don't make excuses. Make music. Check them out on the web at progressionsmusicstudio.com. That's P-R-O-G-R-E-S-S-I-O-N-S, musicstudio.com. Or call 724-777-4678. All right, a big thanks to Jeff Scott Soto for joining us on the show again. Damage Control comes out of Frontier Records March 27th, so being that I didn't record this until March 29th, it's out now. All right, next up on the show... Uh, lead singer of the band Great White. And when I say Great White, I mean the real Great White. That is Mark Kendall, Michael Lardy, Audie Despro, uh, and new vocalist Terry Aluse. Uh, Terry Aluse, uh, as many of you know, was the vocalist of XYZ back in the 80s. He's now taken up the vocal duties 
what was temporary with Gray White, and now he's become a permanent member of the band, and they have a new album coming out uh, this May. So we're going to talk to Terry and find all about it. So here we go. All right, I'd like to welcome right. to the show from the band Great White. We have Terry Aluse joining us on the phone. How are you doing, Terry? Been great. I'm doing great, thanks. Great. You guys are, are doing some tour dates. I'm going to be coming to Burgettstown, PA, which is just outside of Pittsburgh, to do uh, a show. You guys have played that venue before. It's called the Pepsi yeah. uh, Cola Roadhouse. Uh, but I want to get in touch with you. There's you know, some other going-ons with the band. Um, you guys have uh, not officially announced, but sort of informally announced a new album. So I guess that was yeah. kind of first and foremost. Can you talk a little bit about Elation uh, and, and what we can expect? <laughs> well, uh, it's a, a great white album, meaning uh, it has all the uh, the flavors. Uh, it's walking. It's got, it's a bit nasty. It's a bit uh, 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 you know uh, great white, so I can say. Um, it's basically the continuation of what's been done before, just with a new singer. That's all. Um, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just yeah. great white. That's all. You know. Yeah. Did you get involved? Did you get involved in the writing process with Mark and the guys? Oh, yeah. All of us, all of us. It was actually a joint effort. Uh, we all got together and um, we started writing. I'm a songwriter. I was the lead singer of a band called XYZ in the mm -hmm. past, and I have, um, as a songwriter, I have been writing songs for a lot of different people and for film and TV and uh, you know NPD, HBO, and all that stuff. So. Um, we all got together, we sat down, and we jammed. And that's all we did. We jammed, and we wrote 12 songs within yeah. uh, 10 days. Now, um, as far as the stylistically, um, you know, Grey White has always had a bit of a, a bluesy nasty. Did that kind of fit in your comfort zone, or did you kind of oh. you kind of work to the part? No, completely, uh, John. I'm, I'm, I'm a rock bluesy singer. I, I, I grew up listening to... Uh, uh, singers like Steve Marriott, uh, okay. singers like, uh, Paul Rogers, uh, um, early, um, Brock Stewart, and all those guys. So, I'm, um, and of course the, uh, the 60s, uh, Motown singers like Sam Cooke and The Temptations, James Brown. I, I grew up listening to that back in Europe. So, uh, playing and writing blues, rock blues was definitely my element. I was not, I was so comfortable with it. In fact, for me, it was a blessing. Um, because a lot of people think of me as a rock heavy metal singer, you know, that can sing, that deal, and all that stuff. Right. And I've been doing that for years, but I was thinking, oh my God, I want to do a rock blues album so I can have so much more fun. And um, when when Mark asked me to join the band uh, a little while ago, and he said, you know, Terry, you're going to have to write an album, I was so happy about that. And when we sat down, you know, John, we sat down, and, and, and my, Michael Lodi and I, and, 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 uh, and of course, uh, Mark Kendall, we sat down and started writing, and it was just like electricity. I mean, we just, it was an amazing moment, writing, and it was something really bluesy and rock. So this is not a heavy metal album. This is a blues rock album, really raunchy and, and dirty, and, and I think the fans are going to love it. I mean, I hope they're going to love it, but... It is in the same vein, and then hope it's more that the type of album. Sure, yeah. I mean, you when you look at even even you know the band Great White in their their ancient history, I, I will say you know as a as a fan from way back at like Shot in the Dark and things, you know they went from being a very metal band and 
you know, I know when talking to Mike and uh, Michael and, and Mark, both of them said it was a very natural progression into that bluesy, more soulful stuff that you kind of hear on like Twice Shy, uh, you oh, know, yeah. and, and Hooked and things like that, you know. So, you know, I think the band's kind of evolved, and I think that's kept the music, you know, fun for them over the years as well as yourself. Absolutely, and, and me as a singer, for me it was definitely my elements. I was that's the reason why they chose me as a singer. Uh, because Candle, uh, I've known Candle for a long time, and he said, I know you're the right guy for the band. I, I know it. Deep in my heart, I know it. And when we started writing, he said, oh, my God, it was the right thing to do. So, uh, you know, John, it was just a very pleasant experience. Um, um, I had the best time of my life ever as a songwriter uh, writing with John, with uh, Mark and, 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 uh, and Michael Audi. Uh And, of course, the other guys were involved as well. It was a, a joint effort. Mm-hmm. We're all in the same room, and we're trading ideas. And then, we, it's great, here's a song, let's write the lyrics. Boom, 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 that was it, next song. You know, it was really, uh, uh, it's just an easy thing. Just like, you know, when you meet a woman, and you just know, you're just going to get along with her. You just know that. Yeah. And then you, you go and you have sex, and you're like, wow, great, you know, so much fun and stuff. And the next day, you, you wake up, and you're like, wow, I feel, I feel good about her. You know you're doing something right. You know you did it right then. Um, Now, will you guys be doing, as as you're on the road now, and you guys are, like I mentioned earlier, coming to Pittsburgh, you're going to be doing the M3 Festival, uh, dates like that. Are you guys going to be premiering some of that material, or are we going to have to wait till May for the the drop of the album? I'm not sure yet. Uh, I think most of the, first of all, as far as the new, we're going to mostly be playing uh, all the songs, and we're going to add one or two new songs per show. Okay. We do not want to overload the um, the uh, the fans with a brand new album and then add and then do one old song. I think it's yeah. wrong. You know, I think we should do eighty percent, eighty five percent of all the songs that the fans love, and we will do one or two new songs per show, and that's it. Um, unless the song becomes so huge, and you know, but that's yeah. about it. I think it's important to respect the fans, give them what they want, and slowly introduce them to. Uh, something new, and to to answer your question, I'm most likely by M3, or maybe a little bit after that, we will introduce introduce a, a new song per show. That's okay. it. one song. That's about it. Yeah, and that's probably a wise move. I mean, I I know a band even as big as Iron Maiden got quite a bit of backlash on their last United States tour because it was all you know technically newer stuff, and you know there are a lot of people I know on the way to the parking lot complaining that oh, they yeah. didn't hear you know. You know the entire you know run to the hills and all that stuff. That's so, what you want to hear. You want to hear you you want to hear the old songs, but you also want to hear something new and you just give it a shot. It's just like yeah. people giving me a chance as a singer. They're like everybody's like, "Oh, John Russell," you know, and then they come and see me live and they say, "Wow, damn, it's, yeah. still, it's still great white. It's so great white with a different singer." And I said, "Yeah, it's still great white." Yeah, yeah, you know? I, so, yeah, and I think that's the thing. I mean, it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't like you came in with no resume prior to this, so you, you certainly had a body of work. I mean, even, you know, look at Journey, have, have made quite a bit, you know, obviously carried on quite a bit successfully with a completely new singer who's completely unheard of, you know, at least with yourself. They they had a very proven commodity. Um, you guys, what a great um, singer, what a great singer, by the way, what a wonderful singer. Oh, yeah, you know, the, the kid's energy is just um, amazing, you know, yeah, to watch on stage. Him. He's a good kid, and 
You know, he's from the Philippines. He did not speak English when he got the gig. You know, you have, mm-hmm. have to understand that he did not speak English. He was uh, from a, a, a country like the Philippines where we think it's a third world country, you know. And he came on stage and sang, opened up his mouth, and that was it. People say, oh, my God, this guy can sing, you know. It's yeah. just, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, certainly that—that's what you need. You need someone who can sing, and that's certainly the, the yeah. right thing. Um, you guys, uh, Mark had made a Facebook post um, about you guys possibly doing a live DVD uh, yeah. in the near future. Is that—is that something that's confirmed, or is that just an idea that you're tossing around? Well, here's what happened. Uh, we went to—we uh, did a show in Los Angeles Thursday night, uh, sold out show in LA. Um, the crowd was amazing. We filmed the event. And uh, on the ch- next week, we will review the uh, the material, mm-hmm. see what we have. Yeah. I know for a fact we will come up with a live album. That is that's a must. Mm-hmm. We will have a live album. Now, as far as the live DVD, it all depends on you know the footage. Do we have yeah. good footage? Yes, we will do the live DVD. If not, I think if that doesn't happen, what we will do is most likely we will start recording. All the shows will have different cameras. We're gonna have different cameras, you know. Right. And we will start recording segments. So, let's say maybe we're gonna have a show, uh, a, a, a song shot in Los Angeles, and maybe another one shot in Pittsburgh or, or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, mm-hmm. that may happen if we need the uh, the footage. If we don't, then it will be just a live, you know, in the show, the show we just did in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that's a really a strategically great move. I mean, because cause I think the number one question in anybody's mind when when you replace the singers, what are they going to sound like? You know, yeah. and this is not only are we going to have a new studio album, but but you know, a chance to you know one finally see Great White on a live DVD that doesn't look like it was done with a, a VHS camera. Um, yeah. And to have a decent, I think there's one one DVD in my life I've seen of Great White Live, and it, it literally looks like somebody was sitting on somebody's shoulders with a camera. Um, and, and it was, I don't think it was put out with the authorization of the band either. Um, but, uh, you know, it would be a great chance to showcase how you fit, you know, to, to a yeah. large audience, and that's great. Um, the uh, one question you mentioned you were from Europe. Um, can you give us a little bit on your background, like how you got into singing? I got it. My my dad was a um, flamenco guitar player uh, okay. in Spain. Okay. Uh, he grew up playing flamenco and and bossa nova and all that stuff. And so for me, early on, when I was a, as long as I remember, I've listened to music when I was a kid, and I started to listen to, of course, flamenco and all the Spanish uh, uh, things. And then um, my dad introduced me to rock and roll. Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> Just like check this out. I'll never forget that. I was five years old. It's, it's a really vivid moment for me. I was like, wow. You know? And he, he you know, I, I started to listen to, uh, Jim, uh, you know, uh, Sam Cooke. Yeah. And Otis Reading and, 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 um, Teddy Pendergrass and, of course, James Brown, Ray Charles. I come from an R&B background. R&B rock. Not like R&B, uh, uh, old emotion. I mean, you know, that, uh, those yeah. singers, they had something like a lot of growl, but a lot of emotion, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and then slowly I went into uh, Humble Pie. I, I'm a huge Humble Pie fan. I love Paul Rogers. I, yeah. I'm an absolute uh, Paul Rogers is my favorite singer, along with uh, David Coverdale and and um, and uh, early rock Stewart. So for me, it was that's my path, you know. And mm-hmm. then you know when I came to Los Angeles, 
you know, back in the 80s, everybody had to be blonde and everybody yeah. had to sing like Bon Jovi. And I was like, oh, man, I hate it, you know. So I dyed my hair blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I started to do the big harmony just like everybody else to get signed. So we got signed. Uh, we, we did really well. And then, but I was never happy because I, I was a blues rock singer, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, man, I should have been born in the 60s, you know what I mean, the 50s, so I could be part of the same crew and then bad company and that stuff, you know, I was not happy, you know, and so I kind of quit the music business, to be honest with you. I quit the music business to do other things. Um, I worked in the porn industry for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and that's funny because I did that for a while and uh, yeah. not as a, I was doing movies and stuff. And, but my heart was into music and then uh, one day I had a shot to do a voiceover. And I went back into doing voiceover to, for a lot of cartoons, you know, um, the Rugrats and all these big okay. shows I was singing. And um, a friend of mine said, you know, you got to do another rock and roll album. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that, you know. I don't want to do heavy metal. Everybody calls me to do a heavy metal track. Mm-hmm. In fact, three years ago, I did one of the biggest commercials of the year for Dr. Pepper. Okay. I was doing the, uh, the heavy metal voice in the, in the Dr. Pepper commercial that was huge. Because they wanted a heavy metal singer. Yeah. I said, oh, that's what they wanted, deal stuff. I'm like, man, I hate it. But I'll, I'll do it for the money, of course. Yeah, you got to pay I, the bills. i got a kid, dude. I mean, yeah. I had a child. <laughs> I don't know if you have kids, but, yes. you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> those kids' tennis so, shoes don't uh, come cheap. Yeah, man, education costs so much money, you know. So mm-hmm. I did it, but when... Mark called me and said, hey, man, you want to do a, you want to tour with us? You're the right guy. I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, so I'm a happy camper now. Yeah, it was interesting. You mentioned about you know coming to L.A. and having to kind of do what you had to do uh, vocally. Uh, and, and as you were saying that, I was thinking of uh, David Coverdale, you mentioned, is, is a big influence. And, and basically he had to do the same thing to stay relevant in that era. So you were in good company. You know, when the White Snake of 1987 did not sound like, you know, in the heart no. of the city. Yeah. No, and in the heart of the city is one of my favorite albums, dude. I mean, I grew up listening to David Coverdale, you know, and, and when he came to Los Angeles, he became somebody different. He dyed his hair, he had to do, he had some plastic surgery, you know. And I'm like, dude, that's not the David Coverdale I knew, but I understand because he had to do that. He, in fact, David said, I have no choice, Terry. This is, this is the way it is in America. You have to... You have to dye your hair, you have to look younger, and you have to look like Martin Crew and Bon Jovi, which is great. Those guys are great looking guys, but as a man, I don't identify myself with those guys. I'm like, I don't care what I look like. I'm, I'm you know, I'm a dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, completely understandable. I mean, you look at the, even like Glenn Hughes, uh, um, you know, a, a phenomenal oh, voice and an amazing singer in his own right. But, you know, during that early, early mid-80s when, you know, the hair thing blew up, you know, he was kind of not to be seen. Oh, completely. And he's, he, Glenn is probably one of the greatest rock voice ever. I mean, he's, he's you know, everybody loves, all singers love great Glenn uh, There's not one guy that tells you. I mean, a real singer would always tell you, I love Glenn. Glenn yeah. is a monster singer. But as you said it, during the 80s, there was no way you could find him. He was just, uh, in fact, a new Glenn because he did the back of vocals on my first album with John okay. Hawkins. Yeah, and he was, he didn't want to be a part of the uh, limelight. He said, no, man, stop my thing. You know, I don't like this. I'm a yeah. 70s, bluesy rock singer, you know, so. 
you know. Yeah, it's fun to see how it's kind of come back around, you know, because the Black Country Communion stuff is just phenomenal. Oh, yeah, and he's he's able to get back to doing what he loves, and that's great. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, all right, well, I won't keep you any longer. You guys, again, you, you have an album, I believe it's May 18th or something like that on Frontiers Records. Uh, yeah, we'll and in fact, uh, in fact, I hope that you will get in touch with that because I'm sure they will uh, get you a link so you can actually um, hear the tracks before everybody else. I'm yeah. sure it will happen. Yeah. She will send you, right. uh, she'll take care of that. And I'll remind her, in fact, uh, make sure that John gets a link. Um, we're going to post things online in the next two weeks, I believe, not even uh, for promotion. And uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure you get the link as well so you can. Wonderful. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, well, we look forward to seeing you on the 6th out at uh, the Burgestown at the Pepsi Roadhouse, man. Great. Thank you, John. You take Terry. care of yourself. I'm you looking take care. forward to meeting you, okay? Okay, okay. thank you so much. All right, and there you have Terry Loose from the band Great White. Again, they'll be coming in on April 6th to play the Pepsi Cola Roadhouse out in Burgettstown. For those not familiar with that area or the Pepsi Roadhouse, it is just outside the entrance to the First Niagara Pavilion, the you know, 15,000, 20,000-seat uh, venue. Uh, the Pepsi Cola Roadhouse, very cool, kind of uh, almost in the round but not quite. Uh, but you'll, you're not going to be far from the band no matter where you sit. So you can get uh, tickets. I believe the website is PepsiColaRoadhouse.com. If you go to IronCityRocks.com, you can find your way there without any problem. Uh, and also, if you're listening to this podcast in the first day or so that it's been out, we are running a contest to meet Great White. Uh, come hang out at the sound check of the show and also stay for the show. We'll be giving tickets. Uh, we gave away a pair last weekend. We'll be giving another two tickets away on Friday the 30th. To win, all you need to do is find myself or Aaron. Where will we be? We'll both be in attendance at the Van Halen Show, the Console Energy Center. So what we're going to be doing on Facebook and Twitter, we will be giving clues. Not the same clues on both, so there'll be different uh, things on Twitter, different things on Facebook. First person that comes up to either one of us and says, Hey, are you so-and-so? You're the winner. Uh, you want to know what we look like, if you go to our Facebook page or ironcityrocks.com, uh, there's a section with uh, the hosts of the show. You can see pictures of both of us and our beautiful faces. So find us and win. That's all you need to do. And also, if you're not going to be at the Van Halen show, uh, the uh, contest actually starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, you catch us before the show if you happen to be in the area. And if you're not going to be in Pittsburgh tomorrow night, or even if you're not in Pittsburgh at all, check out the Cast Iron Ring at castironring.com. Uh, on on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the cast iron ring iron city rocks is a part of the cast iron ring which is uh, what we like to think of as the combination of the best hard rock and metal podcasts on the net uh, we are kind of all co-sponsoring a contest to win an autograph of David Ellison who is on a guest on our episode 147 uh, David uh, signed a really cool picture that Aaron the host of signal to noise and sometimes host of iron city rocks took it in mayhem in Pittsburgh uh, in 2011 so he's going to be signing that all you need to do is go to facebook.com forward slash the cast iron ring like the page and then there's a little tab for uh, entering the contest uh, and there's a little snippet of David Ellison's new book uh, you can write a little bit on what you like about what you read if you bought the book you can write about a different piece of work we're going to pull one entry from random on the 7th which is the day after the great white show uh, you'll be the winner. We'll mail you out an autographed picture of uh, Dave from uh, Megadeth. So, pretty cool prize there. Again, we are ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And uh, 
we invite you to uh, give us some feedback. There's a contact link on all those websites. Easy to get a hold of us. If you're a band, locally or nationally, that's interested in being on the show, hit me up. All right, we'll talk next time. Thanks. <laughs>